So if you had a nickel for every time you heard someone answer, or if you had a nickel for every time you heard someone respond to the question, how are you doing, with, we're good, just really busy, how rich would you be? We usually answer that way. We expect other people to answer that way. It's like our default. Or you might hear someone say, I'm stressed. I'm exhausted. I've never heard someone say, you know, we're really good. We're so well-rested. Thanks for asking. We would look at them funny, right? There's no, there's no glory, no applause in rest. Uh, we're never a hero when we rest. That says something about our lives. We have a hurry sickness. Our gears are stuck in overdrive. Our pace is nonstop. Our work is consuming. Now ask any doctor and they'll tell you how critical it is, how, how critical rest is for our, our, our physical condition, for our body, body's ability to repair itself. Ask any therapist, they'll tell you how rest is critical for our mental and emotional well-being. Ask any religious leader, they'll tell you how critical rest is for the healing of our souls. The truth is, we all need rest as a part of what it means to be human, right? We are a body. We are creatures. We are not machines. We're not a machine for the company, and we're not a machine for Jesus either. God is not pro-exhaustion. God created us to need rest. God gave us the gift of rest. And like a margin for prayer, which we started the sermon series with last week, margin for rest is vital to be the fully human people that God created us to be. Let us pray. God, open our hearts and minds to your word for us this day. We pray that it would take root there, that it would grow us, transform us, so that we might live for you and bear fruit for your kingdom. This we pray through Christ our Lord. Amen. Scripture readings this morning, um, first from the book of Genesis, and then from Psalm 46. I invite you to listen for God's word. Picking up kind of in the middle of the, of the creation narrative. God said, let the earth produce every kind of living thing, livestock, crawling things, and wildlife. And that's what happened. God made every kind of wildlife, every kind of livestock, and every kind of creature that crawls on the ground. God saw how good it was. Then God said, let us make humanity in our image to resemble us so that they may take charge of the fish of the sea, the birds in the air, the livestock, all the earth, and all the crawling things on earth. And God created humanity in God's own image. In the divine image, God created them. Male and female, God created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fertile and multiply. Fill the earth and master it. Take charge of the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and everything crawling on the ground. Then God said, "Now I now give to you all the plants in the earth that yield seed and all the trees whose fruit produces its seeds within it. These will be your food. To all wildlife, to all the birds in the sky, and to everything crawling on the ground, to everything that breathes, I give all the green grasses for food. And that's what happened. God saw everything he had made. It was supremely good. And there was evening and there was morning, the sixth day. The heavens and the earth and all who live in them were completed. On the sixth day, God completed all the work he had done. And on the seventh day, God rested from all the work that he had done. God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, God rested from all the work of creation. And then from Psalm 
46, just a single verse. That's enough. Now know that I am God. I am exalted among all nations. I am exalted throughout the world. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. God rested. Let me say that again. God rested. Embedded into the rhythm of creating the heavens and the earth, God rested. This is the climax of the creation story. After God made everything and said that it was good, after God created humanity and said that they were very good, God told the human being, after God uh, told the human beings to be fruitful and multiply and to, um, to care and tend for God's creation, God made a space to enjoy what God had made. It wasn't as if God was somehow worn out. But God was creating and then inhabiting a holy margin design, a holy margin that God designed human beings to have and to embrace. Now, now notice God, that God designed human beings both to produce and to rest. Produce and rest. God designed us to partner with God to bring about order and beauty in God's good world. That requires our labor, and so we do get great joy and fulfillment in doing things, in being productive, in seeing that what we do actually matters. God is a creator. God does stuff. We are made in God's image. We, too, are made to do stuff. But let's keep that image of God thing going. If we're made in God's image and God rested, then we are also made to rest. And the interesting thing about Genesis is that even though God gave human beings the ability to labor on God's behalf and be fruitful, the beginning of the human story is not work, but rest with God. The beginning of the human story is not work, but rest with God. When God rests, it is to do so with God's good creation, including human beings. Human beings, not human doings. Human beings rest in God's rest. That's literally our first experience in Genesis. And so we rightly labor and produce the fruit God wants us to produce from a place of rest. In fact, you might even say we're designed to work from rest rather than rest from work. Rest is vital. A margin for rest, it gives us the ability to be able to recharge. We are bodies. Everything about who we are is connected. We all know this. We know how physical ailments can affect us mentally and emotionally, spiritually, and vice versa. We know how a period of spiritual lowness carries over to how we feel physically and emotionally, changes what we feel like doing. Just like a battery that has a finite charge, our bodies cannot operate at full speed all of the time. We experience drain, whether it's working at our jobs, whether it's working as mother and father to kids, uh, even at serving God through the church, we wear down. We wear down. Low energy, fatigue, burnout, anxiety, depression, uh, starved relationships, worn down immune system, tension, confusion, emptiness, anger, all, all signs of not resting. Work expands to the time allotted for it. Work expands to the time allotted for it. It will fill up our life and empty us. 
We don't, when we don't find the margin for rest, we find that we're not able to be our best self for the sake of God and our neighbors. This week I heard someone actually compare uh, this to the oxygen mask announcement on airplanes. You know the one you never really pay attention to? Uh, in the event of loss of cabin pressure, the oxygen mask will drop down from the overhead compartments. Please put on your own mask first before attempting to assist somebody else. But if we're honest, right, like that can feel like a, like a little bit selfish kind of, you know? But it makes sense because if you actually think about it, right, if, if, if we pass out, we're certainly no help to anybody else. What if rest is God's way of allowing us to recharge so that we make sure we have something to offer somebody else? What if a margin for rest is like the opportunity for us to put on our own oxygen masks first? To be filled up, to have a healthy whole base from which to operate. A margin for rest is the chance to recharge, but people recharge in different ways. Just as people have a different tolerance for overload, everybody has a different threshold for when breakdown begins to happen. And so everybody also has a different way of building themselves back up. Introverts and extroverts do it differently. That's why it's important for us with God's help to be be self-aware, right, and recognize the ways that we recharge best. For some, it might be reading a book in a quiet space by ourselves. For others, it may be going for a walk in the neighborhood with a friend. For others, it may be going and grabbing drinks with a group. For others, it may be taking a nap. However we recharge best, we need to make sure that it is indeed that, that it is rest, right? That it is not producing, that it is not achieving, that it's not working, that it's not exhausting, that it's not stressful. But that when we're finished, we're actually energized. Our, our emotional tank is full. Our souls are soothed. Margin for rest offers us a chance to recharge. But rest is also a God-given guardrail, a God-given guardrail that keeps us from building our identities around our work, our productivity, and our activities. I wonder if that's why right after telling human beings to be fruitful and multiply, to care for the earth, the very next day God rests and gives human beings that gift of rest. Maybe God knew, maybe God knew that human beings after sin entered the world would seek to work for their identity instead of from their identity. Or to put it another way, work for love instead of from love. That we would try to earn our worth, our acceptance, our status by doing, do to be, do to be. And that's what the forces of our culture, our society, our economy tell us constantly. That's why we're in overdrive and find it so hard just to downshift for a second. It's not because our bodies just can't help themselves. We can't blame this on our appendix or our thyroid, right? This, is, this comes from a broken sin-influenced value system that idolizes productivity and measuring ourselves against others and insists that those things define who we are. 
There's a really underrated movie, in my opinion, called Secondhand Lions. I don't know if anybody else has seen it. It's about two larger-than-life brothers, and they're former fighters in the French Foreign Legion. Names are Hub and Garth, and they've retired to Texas. And when the fiery, hot-tempered Hub uh, overexerts himself, he suffers a blackout that lands him in the hospital. And after checking Hub out, the brothers stop at a diner and have some barbecue together, uh, and they chat. What's the matter, brother? Are you afraid of dying? Heck no, I'm not afraid of dying. Then what is it, man? I'm afraid of being useless. I'm afraid of being useless. This reveals a truth uh, about a culture without an adequate margin for rest. We operate like we're more afraid of feeling or being seen as useless than of dying. It's like if we, if we pause to rest, if we stop, we, we, we won't know what, who we are. We won't know um, without doing all this stuff, we'll, we'll feel worthless. Other people will, will get ahead of us. We won't be able to maintain a certain status. We'll be less. Friends, rest offers us a way out of this. When we have a margin for rest, we actively resist and fight off that force, that voice that tells us we are what we do. Sin through the idol of productivity and comparison screams, do to be, God through the gift of rest whispers, be to do, be to do. Resting reminds us that our identity is not in doing, 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 but in Jesus Christ. When we rest, we do not have to do more. We don't have to sell more. We don't have to control more. We don't have to know more. We don't have to be younger or more beautiful. We don't have to compete harder. We just have to rest in the identity, sealing embrace of God. We actually get to live into the amazing Jesus. The amazing, Jesus is amazing, the amazing Jesus. The amazing invitation that Jesus offers us in the Gospels. Right? Are you tired? Are you worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, Jesus says. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me, work with me, watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay a heavy or ill-fitting burden on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Rest provides unforced rhythms of grace that help us to be secure of who we are because of the work of Christ on the cross. Which leads to a final gift margin for rest offers. And that's this, reconnecting with God. Reconnecting with God. The second, cha- the, the second scripture we read this morning says it clearly. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. Not be super busy and know that I am God. Not work 60 hours a week and know that I am God. Not be super productive and know that I am God. Not say yes to everything and everyone and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. In other words, there's a connection between our rest and our ability to experience God's presence and see what God is doing It is in our rest, it is in our not doing that we recognize God is God. You see, when we 
when we are not doing something, we can finally see more of what God is doing. That God is doing something always, everywhere, independent of us, even in our self-absorbed little worlds. Healing, redeeming, restoring, comforting, reconciling, pardoning, creating, simply being. Because God is the center, not us. God holds the universe and our lives together, not us. I remember going on a silent uh, retreat at Duke Divinity School my very first year uh, there. And I remember how hard and how awkward it was at first being in the mode of like, you know, master's level, you know, production in class and essays and tests and reading and all of that. Remember how hard it was to be told to rest, to not speak, and to have no agenda for the next 24 hours. You know what? God showed up. God showed up. It's amazing how close we sense God when we just sit still and shut up for a moment. Eugene Peterson, the the author of the message translation of the Bible, says it pretty bluntly, as he can sometimes uh, with his kind of dry wit. He says, if you don't take a Sabbath, something is wrong. You're doing too much. You're being too much in charge. You've got to quit one day a week and just watch what God is doing when you're not doing anything. (laughs) Watch what God is doing when you're not doing anything. And so when we rest, we get to notice what God is doing when we're not doing anything. And when we notice what God is doing, guess what? We cannot help but feel a deep sense of, of gratitude and connection with the God who is not far off from us, not removed from us, uninterested, but the God who cares deeply for each and every one of us. And we remember that and recognize that God is the source of our life, our hope, our purpose, our salvation, our meaning, our strength. We take a breath and we realize that it's, that it's God's breath in our lungs. We, we find we can't help but worship. We find we can't help but want to join in with what God is doing in our church and in our community and in our town. And we reconnect to the truth of the gospel that on the cross Jesus secured for us through his work, what we could never secure for ourselves or earn for ourselves, redemption and right relationship with God. Friends, we can't add a thing. We can't add a thing to that work. Because of what God did, we can rest. Because we can rest, we can remember what God did. There's an old story uh, told about a four-year-old boy. It's a Jewish story about a four-year-old boy named Mordecai who just refused to go to school and study Hebrew. Whenever his parents tried to get him to read the Torah, he would become distracted and and sneak away, and every form of persuasion they tried failed. Mordecai remained defiant. Nothing changed the young boy's heart, which seemed to his parents to just grow more distant and lonely and hardened every week. And so finally, in desperation, Mordecai's parents took him to the local rabbi. As the parents explained their plight, the, the rabbi listened intently and without saying a word he he gently picked up Mordecai took took him in his arms and just held him close tight to his chest the rabbi held Mordecai close enough and tight enough so that the young boy could feel the safe rhythmic beating of the rabbi's heart and of his lungs in and out and without saying a word he just handed Mordecai back to his parents Friends, that's how it is with the gift of rest. It's a chance for us to to pause, to be with God so that God can 
gently pick us up, hold us in God's arms, hold us close enough and tight enough so that we can feel safe, rhythmic beating of God's own heart. And I pray, I pray you find that. Maybe it means you have to schedule rest before you schedule your meetings. Or incorporate some rest in the middle of the day around lunchtime. Or, or gradually, wanna, uh, gradually add uh, a, a little bit to your sleep every night. Or, or schedule time to read that book. Or maybe five minutes of silence and intentional breathing when you first get to work. I don't know what it might be for you. But block out some time. Block out some time. Find the margin where you recharge in a way that works for you. Where you are able to resist that urge to do to be where you reconnect with God so that rest becomes a holy margin and you can just for a moment be still and be loved. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.